Well, good morning. You have your Bibles, and I hope you do. I invite you to turn with me to the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians. This morning, we draw to close a study through the book of Philippians, which we began all the way back July 4th. Can you believe it? We are, we are at the end of our study here in verses 21 to 23 is where we'll be. And I've entitled this message, uh, a heading you probably have, I'm just staying uh, with what your, your Bibles probably says uh, uh, above it, uh, final greetings uh, or Paul's final words to the church at Philippi. Um, but I added a little bit, a love that is deep and wide. Uh, if you were, uh, maybe some of you, you little kids, or maybe some of you that are older now, like myself, remember learning a song, Deep and Wide? Can y'all sing it? Deep and wide, deep and wide, there's a flowing deep and wide. Deep and wide, deep and wide, there's a fountain flowing deep and wide. And then you flip it around and you say wide and deep, right? <laughs> And what is he talking about? What is that song uh, conveying to us? What is it trying to teach us or teach our little children? And it sticks in our hearts and our minds is that the love of God is deep. It is as deep as the Mariana Trench is, right? <laughs> and it is as wide as all the universe. As all the galaxies that are thrown out into space that the Lord has. The planets that are in orbit. God's love is immense, it's wide, it's deep, it's trying to convey truth of who God is and his love toward us as his image bearers. And so um, that's what we see here in our text this morning as Paul is trying in these final greetings to convey to the church there at Philippi of his great love um, for them and his appreciation to them and for Christ and what he has done. Though he's in prison, though he is chained up, remember, uh, he is overflowing with the joy of the Lord. Despite all of his suffering, all of his hardships, all of his pain, all of his unjust sufferings, as I added there in your notes, he has given praise to the Lord. Throughout this whole letter, we have seen that. Though the outlook was dim, <laughs> it didn't look Promising for him, the future was never brighter for the Apostle Paul, for he believed and held to uh, to live as Christ and to die as gain. And it is the same for us. Because of the great work of Christ this morning, the great work of Jesus, we, we have great joy and hope. The future is bright because of who God is and what he has done through the person and the work of his son. So I... I've prayed about this, and I just want to remind us this morning, and as as way of introduction, if you have your copy of the scriptures, Philippians chapter one, and we're going to read this letter. Aren't you aren't you thankful for the word of God that we get to read in our own language? My my words uh, really mean nothing apart of uh, being apart from. The word of God. And I thought, what better way to end this letter than to read it together as a whole? And so as I read aloud, you read along. If you don't have your copy of the scriptures, it'll be on the board. And I pray that 
it just washes over us. And we're reminded of the love of God, the joy that is uh, flowing through Paul as he pins down this letter in a prison, in a Roman jail, right? Or, or in house arrest, being chained to a soldier. He pins down these words. Let's read together. This is the word of the Lord. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed and in that I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that will with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. For if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, 
any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each one of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not account, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he, but he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will genuinely, who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a, with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you have heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore that you may rejoice at seeing him again and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same, to write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. 
though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in, share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. The end, their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Judea and I entreat Seneca to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly 
that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Your word is truth. And it opens our eyes, Lord, to see, to see you rightly. To see Jesus who humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. That we realize, Lord, that our joy is found in Christ and Christ alone. And so we pray this morning, Lord, as we have said under your word in this letter from Paul to the church at Philippi, that you rekindle in our hearts and our minds, Lord, all that we have heard and learned from your word and that you would make deep application into our lives, Lord, in the days to come. That you would do this by your spirit, Lord, for the good of your people and for your glory. So I pray this morning as we finish this joyful letter, Lord, that teaches us what it's, to, what it's like to be open-hearted people, to be an open-hearted church, that God, you would indeed make us a people who are grateful and thankful, that we would know, Lord, the depths of your love, its depth and its width. And Father, we would, we would be reminded of that, and we would go away joyful and built up as your people. So have your way, Lord. Have your way in our hearts in this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Paul comes to these final greetings that he extends to these believers. From these believers in Rome to these believers in Philippi. And man, he wants to thank them. This is not just a, a general thank you. If you notice in your text, verse 21... And it's a pretty short message. There's just some truths I want to, uh, that, that I see come out of this text that I, I think will be good for us as we finish up this letter. But first, Paul says, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. First, we see Paul greeting the Philippians. He has a love 
not just for one or using the generalization of all, but he uses this word every. He wants every member of the church at Philippi to know how indebted he is to each one of them. He wants them to know uh, how much he loves them. That should be the heart of all of us, that we, we would want our love to be known to others. Our love for Jesus and our love one for another. Paul is expressing that with this word, every. And he says this in reminding them, every saint. If you remember back early on, saint is, is in the original language is hagias. It's, it's reminding us of our identity in Christ. A saint is a holy one, one that is set apart for the Lord to know him, to enjoy him and to and to be used for the Lord's purposes in making him known wherever you are. So Paul is bringing all of this together in every one of you members in the church. I want you to know your saints. Be reminded of who you are now, not who you were. As we read the letter together, remember, he says, I forget what lies behind and I press on. Listen, your sin does not define you anymore, but the grace that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ is yours. He doesn't see you as a sinner anymore. He sees you as a saint. So may we press on in being who God says we are. He doesn't call us sinners. He calls us saints. However, we recognize we still sin. So continue to confess, continue to repent, but recognize that not only are you a saint and why you're a saint? Because you are in Christ Jesus. That's what he says here in verse 21. So Paul is greeting the Philippians. Secondly, this greeting is from the men who are with him. Look at what he says. The brothers who are with me greet you. Now, a great question is, who are these brothers? Who are these brothers? We'll talk about that here in a moment. Thirdly, from all the believers that are in Rome, they greet them. All the saints greet you. All those who have been born again here in Rome, and we'll talk about that here and just some of the truths that we pull out, they're greeting you as well. There's a lot of greeting going on. There's a lot of people want, wanting the church at Philippi to know how thankful they are for the partnership in the gospel. And then lastly, which is just mind-blowing, all the saints greet you, especially those... Who? Those saints, those holy ones of Caesar's household. Here's some truths that I want us to sit, realize and to see. Realize how important it is to greet other believers. Realize how important it is to greet other believers. Nothing can replace the personal touch and conversation of one person to another. And what is really special, and you tell me if I'm wrong here, it is so special uh, to receive a card or a letter from someone for, you know, that person took the time to write it and to give it to you, right? That is special. And Paul has sent this letter to them and he wants them now to know that he loves them. I love what Steve Lawson says. He says, Paul serves as a pattern for our lives as Christians. We should be open-hearted toward one another, showing the love of God to others with whom we share fellowship. He says this, even if we're shy or introverted, any shy folks out there, any introverted people, that you'll be just fine with not talking to anyone this morning. 
just as long as you can get in and get out, right? Even if we are shy, introverted, and tend to withdraw to ourselves, we must be directed by the Holy Spirit into the lives of other people to greet and embrace them. Equally, Lawson says, if we are to, if we are independent by nature, we must seek others to love. We must extend warm expressions of love, of the love of God to other believers. Any coldness on the part of a saint was virtually unknown, Lawson says, in the first century Christianity. It should be the same in our churches today. We must, and this is so good, we must be affectionate toward one another if we're to advance the gospel. An affectionate Christianity is an effective Christianity. And I couldn't agree more with what he says here. If we can't love and care for one another in here, listen to me, church, you will not do it out there. So the way that we love one another in here, the way that we love our families, the way that we love our wives, the way that we love our husbands, the way that we choose to do that. If you don't do that here, you will be ineffective out there. People see how you are, right? They know you by your fruit that you bear. May we be a faith family that is affectionate toward God and one another. Then our evangelism will be effective because it'll be real. If we truly believe the gospel, we will love one another well. That's what Paul has been saying as well. This is what Lawson picks up as well. An effective Christianity, an affectionate Christianity is an effective Christianity. And I realize some of us are introverted, and some, so, so we have to be intentional to do that. So remember how important it is to greet one another. Listen, how does that play out in here? We don't see each other through the rest of the week, most of us, right? Some of you talk on the phone, but I would say as I'm getting to talk with people, there are people in the front that don't know people in the back. And there's people in the back that don't know people in the front. And people in the middle don't know anybody. Just kidding. You know of one another. But I'm not just talking about a name and an address. I'm talking about a story. That you know your story. That you know your, your, when you were born again. Right? What's going on in your family? What does that require? That requires you being intentional. That leads me to a second point. Remember that every that everyone deep down has a desire to be known and to know others. Even the most shy, introverted people, we want to be known, right? In, in God, we have a desire. Every person, every lost sinner has a desire to be known by their creator. But it is all fouled up because of sin. And they search for it in different areas. They look for um, different things to fulfill that void that they have. Every person deep down has a desire to be known and to know others. Paul was sending this greeting with Timothy. Timothy was in prison with him. We see chapter 2, 19 to 24. We also know, this was talking about some of the brothers, right? Who are the brothers who are with me? Well, here's some of the ones that, that probably were with him. We know Timothy. Epaphroditus was there, chapter 2, 25 to 30. And Paul's love for the Philippians... Listen, it, it had an effect upon these men, upon Timothy and Epaphroditus. There are other passages in the scripture 
that indicate that Tychicus was probably a, a bearer of the letters to the church at Ephesus and also to the church at Colossae, Colossians 4, 7. We know that Tychicus was with Paul. Philemon uh, would have been there also. Onesimus was there. Remember Onesimus, a runaway slave, right? He was even uh, like the main subject of one of Paul's letter to Philemon. He was also there. You see that in Colossians 4, 9. Uh, Artichus, this is another, a, a friend of Paul and companion, right? And really, a, excuse me, of, the, of, uh, of Mark. He was with Mark. Mark who wrote the gospel of Mark, Colossians 4, 10. So Paul also named this guy named Jesus. Right. Jesus was with him. Colossians 4.11. Who was called Justice. And Luke. Luke who wrote the gospel of Luke. Also in Colossians 4.14. So of those names we listed. There's, there's up to eight people right there. That could have been with Paul. We don't know for sure. If they were all there at one time. But we know Paul is, is sharing a greeting. From those who are with him. Who are with him. We're not for sure. But I think he's he's gathering all of that up. All of these brothers knew what, what this church at Philippi was doing. And he's wanting them to know that they were in one accord in their love towards the Philippians. And so he wanted them to be included. And they wanted to be included in this greeting. I want you to think about with me this morning how it feels. Here we'll talk about feelings for a minute. I hope you don't get the, the impression uh, from me many times that there's no emotion, right? There is. I am an emotional person. But my emotions must be governed by the scriptures yeah. and led by the scriptures. Then the spirit is able to arrest those emotions so that we're not governed by that. But listen, think about when someone really cares about you, how it makes you feel. When someone calls you, when someone sends you a card, when someone does something special for you, it makes you feel important, right? Why? Because you are important. You're important to them that they took the time to reach out to you. Think about when someone says they're praying for you or they do, they, they then pray for you. I want to challenge us in that. Don't just say, hey, I, hey, man, I'll be praying for you. I've been convicted of that this week. I, I try to do that, but I need to do a better job of, hey, when I say I'm going to pray, just take the time right there. Hey, man, let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. How many of you have somebody tell you at work, it, you know, call you on the phone or you run across somebody in the grocery store, hey, man, be praying for this. Just take the time right there and pray right then, right? Pray for them. Take the time. That's so encouraging. This is what this church did for Paul. What Paul did for these believers, this is what we should do one for another in the way that we love one another. So how do we do this? Just a few things I put down. I, I added this uh, last night and this morning in my notes so you don't have it there in yours. But if we're going to do this, we must be intentional. We must be intentional. We have to in, in, intentionally take the time to do these things. We need to have some salty conversations with one another. And listen to me. This time here is special. We get to gather together as God's people and corporately worship Him together through song, through giving, through announcements, through the preached word, right? Through Sunday school. This is so good. But sometimes this is not the best setting to have deep conversations, right? 
So I recognize, I said uh, either last Sunday or Sunday before, you know, you ask somebody how they're doing, well, I'm doing well, right? And I know as the heart, I think I was talking with one brother, he's like, you know, I don't really want to unload on someone right there in church. And I get that as well, right? There's a time and place to have some of those conversations. But be intentional to have those salty conversations. What do I mean by salty? I'm talking about what God is doing in your heart, what you're reading, what you're learning, what you're being convicted of, what God is changing in you. Be intentional to have some conversations about, hey, man, I, you know, I see you here all the time. Sister, I see you here all the time. But I, I don't really know you. Let, let's meet for a coffee and some snacks. Y'all know I like to eat? Hey, coffee and having a little, having a little ham biscuit ain't never hurt nobody, right? Too much in, in moderation. But sit down and then talk. Invite someone over to your house to get to know them, right? Exercise hospitality that God commands us and calls us to, right? God has been so hospitable to us. May we be that to others. Meet and talk. Have a good cup of coffee together. Pray together as you finish that time together. So be intentional. Intentional to have conversations. Intentional to meet together. Intentional to get to know one another. And what will happen is your love one for another will grow. And that's the only way it happens. Because it doesn't always facilitate itself right here in a service or even in a Sunday school classroom. That's why being a part of our, our men's Bible study, if you're able to, and Lord willing, here in the new year, we're going to look at maybe having some small groups that meet in homes, Lord willing, around the county. And you can get in and really get to know one another. You can pray together. You can sing together. And you can reflect about what you're learning from the scriptures. And you can do that in the context of biblical community. This is what God calls us more in a faith family than just Sunday and Wednesday. Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday. It's more. It's life together. Encourage a book. We may read it this year later on, probably in the summer, of Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I think I've mentioned it maybe once. It is excellent. Maybe the best book on biblical community. And I need to move on. Next thing I see here, next truth. Remember that the Lord is the one who is ultimately in charge. This letter teaches us this over and over. God is in charge. We say it, God is sovereign and supreme. He is reigning and ruling rightfully. Where is Jesus, people ask? He's at the right hand of God the Father right now, interceding for the saints. He's at the right hand of God the Father so that you, saint, brother and sister in Christ, can go to him anytime. But he is sovereign over all the events of the world, before time and in time now and to the end. Look at what he says. How do we know this? Where do you pick this up? He said, all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Think of what has happened. Think back in chapter one, the partnership of the gospel. He's put in prison. And Paul said, man, the gospel's going to the Praetorian Guard. What's happening is the gospel's breaking through into Caesar's household. All those workers. These were the men and women who served in Caesar's royal palace in Rome. Not just his personal family, right? Could have been. These people rep represented a significant number beyond his own family, though. Slaves, cooks, food tasters, musicians, custodians, builders, staplemen, accountants, soldiers, guards, judges, messengers, and heralds. It was a large portion that found themselves in close proximity to Caesar. These have received the gospel. 
They served and met his needs. They dealt and kept up with his business. Many of them had come to faith in Christ. And we know, as I said a while ago, he had led some of the Praetorian Guard, right? Some of the Praetorian Guard had come to faith in Christ. The gospel, as what's Paul indicating, the gospel's been carried back into the palace of Caesar. Remember, it was wrong. It was a sin. <laughs> you would be killed to say there is no other Lord besides Caesar. Yet the gospel's breaking out. The gospel cannot stop. You know why? Because it's of God. That's why in our evangelism and sharing the good news, God's going to save people. So don't get discouraged when you don't see numbers. I'm telling you, I've battled that. Man, I've been here six months. I haven't seen one baptism. One baptism. You know what? That's not on me. That's not on me. That's on God. God brings about the new birth and he brings about obedience. And he'll do it in his time and his way. We're just to be obedient and share the good news. And evidence of that will be people being born again. They'll trust in Christ and they'll flow through these waters. At some point it's going to happen, right? And we'll give, we'll give praise to the Lord for that. For that is his work. But what this is showing Caesar's household is it shows the power of the gospel even to reach the Roman Empire. It's going into the Roman Empire, even Caesar's own palace. It's hit the top of the top, right? So what is it teaching us? It teaches us this, and the last truth I see here, to remember that everything begins and ends with grace. Everything Keaton said in, in Sunday school in here, for those that are going through Romans, everything begins and ends with Christ. That's exactly right. The grace of God. I want you to think about for a minute that now because of Jesus, you are a trophy of his grace. That God has made you that already. And he is making you that finally. Because one day, remember, he has dealt with the penalty of sin. He is removing the presence of sin or, or the, uh, the power of sin off, off our lives. And one day he will remove the presence of sin forever. He's justified us. He is sanctifying us now. And he will glorify us one day. And all praise goes to God. Think about how Paul opens all of his letters. Paul and Timothy, listen to this one. Servants of Christ Jesus, Philippians 1. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi and with the overseers and deacons. That means the plurality of pastors and deacons. Grace to you and peace. So it begins with grace to you. And now he says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. It, it is bookend. You have an inclusio in each of the letters with grace. It's all by grace. This is what makes Christianity also different than any other religion, right? And it is a religion. It is all by God's grace. We are his trophies of grace. We're in the family of God. And what I believe Paul is saying here, this is, you know, people say, well, man, why do people need to go to school? And why do we need, you know, more theologians? There has yet to been a work done as of a few years ago. I need, I should have researched this more. So take this with a grain of salt and you can do your research on it. That they have, someone has unpacked and studied out Paul beginning his letters with grace to you and grace be with you. They've never put all that together yet. Studied that out and then wrote books on it so that we can understand it. Probably. Here's Zad's interpretation. 
grace to you. God's grace has come to you, church at Philippi. God's grace has come to you, church here at Bethlehem. Now that you have received the grace of God, go and be grace to others. May you be that to others and may you realize that he is with you because your life is hidden in Christ. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And you have a little S there at the end. The last word in this letter, spirit. It's not Holy Spirit. It's your spirit. It's your being. May he be with your spirit as you go and be grace to other people. Does that not line up with what our main task is? And being conformed to the image of Christ and then making disciples. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you even to the end of the age. Yes. Go be what he has been, been to you and know that his grace is with you. His grace will supply all your needs. His grace will wash over you and renew your mind and your thinking as you move forward. It's all by grace. Remember, grace is unmerited, undeserved favor in the lives of all of God's people. It is a wellspring and the heartbeat of every Christian life. It's all by grace. From the new birth to the new heavens and the new earth, the Christian life is entirely one of grace, start to finish. Lawson says, it's all of grace and rejoice. How many times do we hear that throughout Philippians? Rejoice. Again, I will say rejoice. Do we have much to be excited and happy about this morning? Absolutely. This Christmas season, we should be filled with joy in the midst of whatever circumstance you're facing or to face or you're going through. Health-wise, loss of loved one, there can be deep joy. Wide joy. Why? Because we know the love of Christ that is immeasurable, that is deep and wide. If you don't, I knew I was going to hit that wide. If you don't know the love of Christ, man, I, I, I beg you, come to Jesus. The Gospels, the Bible teaching tells us, you know how to be born again? Believe on Christ. And when you believe on Christ, no one will have to tell you. You'll confess your sin. You'll repent of it. And you'll trust him. Brother and sister in Christ, if you've done that, know that God's grace is with you. Go be that to someone else. Amen? Father, we love you and we praise you for your love for us. Work in our hearts, Lord, by your spirit to continue to conform us and change us into your image. Lord, thank you for this study through the book of Philippians. Lord, my heart has been stirred and my life is being built up even more because of you, your word, your spirit. I pray that you would continue to do that in the hearts of my brothers and sisters this morning. May we be an open-hearted people toward you, toward one another, so that we would be effective in preaching the gospel and making disciples, Lord. Have your way now as we just respond in praise to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.